Let's open our Bibles, Matthew chapter 5. We're doing a uh, study in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5, last week we looked at um, marriage, really, the heart of marriage. One man, one woman for life. That's really God's design, God's plan, God's purposes. Um, but the, the painful also, the painful reality of divorce. It's just, you know, something we face in the U.S. being, you know, like the world leader. We're, we're a world leader in a lot of things. And some things we can be proud about, to be, but to be the world leader in divorce is not something to be proud about. And... Uh, you know, in some cases, it's absolutely necessary, needed, in many cases. But in other cases, it's simply an escape from facing the problems and, and hardness of heart, Jesus talked about. But I believe that God is willing to help us in all areas of life, and marriage is, is one area of life, a very uh, personal area, and in relationships, He's very willing to help us, and as we pray... He answers. And you know, the scripture says with man it's impossible. And when we do premarital counseling, I always tell them, you know, with man it's impossible. But with God all things are possible. So we need God. And he's willing to help us. So whether we're single, whether we're married, whether we're divorced, his uh, forgiveness and his mercy are always, always available to us. Today I want to look at this little section, verses 33 through 37, about oaths or swearing. Not the kind of swearing you'd think. Or promises really kind of, uh, you know, ties into this as well. But as before, as we look at it, these other sections here, Jesus takes it much deeper. He, he always goes deeper. He always gets to the heart of the issue. Which for the believer, uh, those that are seeking to follow Jesus Christ, is truthfulness and integrity. Is our word any good? Is my word any good? Do we keep our word? Are we faithful? Do we keep our promises? Ultimately, ultimately, God is always true. God always keeps his word. God is utterly faithful. Ultimately, he's the one we need to be looking at. And of course, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount is always showing us that we can't do this without his help. To be truthful, to, to, to be a person of integrity, to keep our promises, to, that our word would be true, we need the help of God because we're sinners. We live in a, a body of sin and, you know, the spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. So, having said all that, chapter 5, verse 33. Again, you have heard it. heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but keep the oaths. You have made to the Lord. But I tell you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it's God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. Simply let your yes be yes and your no, no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Now, as I said, he's not talking about swearing as in bad language, cursing. That's a whole other subject. But he's, he's talking about promises, swearing. What we say. 
The question is, do we mean what we say and do we say what we mean? The truth is that we should not break our oaths, our promises, but we should keep them, especially the ones that we make to the Lord. We should keep them. If we make a promise, we should keep the promise. You know, that's just a simple thing, and we say that, and it kind of rolls off the tongue so easily, but, you know, how often is it that, you know, life is full of broken promises? People make promises to you, and they break them. Or you make a promise to someone else, or you tell them, listen, I'm going to be there, I will. And you don't show up, or you make some kind of an excuse. The Bible, he's... Again, referring back to the Old Testament, and, and it says in Leviticus, Do not swear falsely by my name, and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. They were making these oaths. They were swearing by the name of God, and, and they weren't keeping the promises, and so that was making the Lord's name look bad. Profaning His name just because they, you, know, you throw God's name in there and it's supposed to make it sound stronger or better or whatever, but then you don't do it. In Numbers it says, when a man makes a vow to the Lord or takes an oath to obligate himself by a pledge, he must not break his word, but must do everything he said. If you make a promise, you need to keep a promise he's saying. Jesus isn't saying this isn't true here. This is the truth. He's going to go beyond it, of course. But, you know, we, we have that in our society, too. You know, I, I, you know we, we, we can make that. I promise, you know, uh, by the name of God. And that's what they would do then, promising by the name of God. And we say, I swear to God. People say that all the time. They don't know what they're saying. They don't really mean it. It's really a, an example of using the Lord's name in vain. When you say, I swear to God. But that's where it came from. I swear by the name of God. In other words, God is my witness that this, what I'm saying to you, is now true. I swear on a stack of Bibles. You know, you've heard these kinds of things, right? Why do you have to say all those things? But he says, if you do make these kinds of things, and the Word of God is clear about it, if we make a promise, we should keep it. It's better to not make a promise than to make one and not keep it. But sometimes we're just so quick to say things, our tongues, you know, just get ahead of us instead of stopping and saying, well, wait a minute, I better watch what I say here and not not commit myself to something that I have no intention of doing, that I do not want to do, that I'm saying it now because they're making me feel guilty or whatever, so I'm going to say it now and then I'll get out of here and then I'll try to figure out a way to get around it, get out of it or whatever, just don't show up. Don't follow through. It says in Deuteronomy, if you refrain from making a vow, you will not be guilty. Better to not make it. Let's turn back to Ecclesiastes chapter 5. We've looked at this many times, but it's a good passage about this. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 1. It says, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know they do wrong. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven. You are on earth. So let your words be few. That's something you and I need to take into consideration. Let your words be few. As a dream comes when there are many cares, so the speech of a fool when there are many words. When you make a vow to God, do not delay in fulfilling it. He has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill your vows. It's better not to vow 
than to make a vow and not fulfill it. Do not let your mouth lead you into sin and do not protest to the temple messenger, my vow was a mistake. I didn't really mean to say that. Yeah, but you did say it. Better not to make a promise than to make one and not keep it. Thought I was thinking of, you know, other promises, you know, the, the Boy Scout oath. How many of you were Boy Scouts? I don't know if Girl Scouts had the same thing, but do you remember the Boy Scout oath? I, I, I was in Boy Scouts, but, you know, I, I think I get kicked out, so I don't remember much about it. But, because um, this, this doesn't come back to my memory at all. On my honor, I will do my best to do my duty to God and my country and to obey the scout law, to help other people at all times, to keep myself physically strong, mentally awake, and morally straight. The Boy Scout oath. There's oaths and promises and do my duty to God and my country, obey the scout law, whatever the scout law is. I'm, you know, I told my wife the other night, I said, you know what, I'm really kind of tired. I'll do that in the morning. And then the morning comes along and something comes up. Well, I got to go. Oh, no, you said you'd do that. You told me you, you, I didn't like get the Bible out and promise on the Bible or anything, but I told her I would do it. And I said, I guess I better get out there and do that. We promise to show up at work, don't we? We promise to pay the loan. All kinds of promises that we make in our, in our society. Look uh, 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 back to Psalm 15. Psalm 15 from Ecclesiastes, which is where you uh, were. To Psalm 15. See what it says there in Psalm 15. This is kind of an um, interesting verse. It's not one that we necessarily like very much. He's talking about, uh, the. Uh, it's a psalm of, uh, verse 1, Lord, who may dwell in your sanctuary, who may live in your holy hill, he whose walk is blameless, who does what is right, righteous, who speaks the truth from his heart and has no slander on his tongue, who does his neighbor no wrong, casts no slur on his fellow man, who despises a vile man, but honors those who fear the Lord. And this is the part I want you to look at. Who keeps his oath even when it hurts. Keeps his oath even when it hurts. How many times we make a promise and we just, you know, well, that's going to kill me if I do that. That's, you know, I can't do it. It's going to cost me too much, take too much of my time, take too much of my energy. He says, who keeps his oath, his promises, even when it hurts, even when it's going to cost us something. Keeps his word. It's a good thing. It's the truth of it. Now let's turn back to, to Matthew chapter 5, verse 34. That's the truth, but Jesus says, But I tell you, do not swear at all. Does he say, Don't make any promises? Don't tell people you're going to do anything? He says, Either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool. Or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. He says, but I tell you, not saying that the first part was untrue, not doing away with God's word, but what he's saying here is that, that swearing an oath shouldn't be necessary, that our word should be good. Now the Jews, they, would, they had different categories of oaths. And basically, they would try to work things out so that it would be more advantageous to whatever they wanted. 
And you say, well, that was them, and we're different now. You know what? We're no different. We, we kind of play things so that they're going to play good for me, right? We manipulate situations so that they'll work out for who? Number one. And, and you don't have to be taught that. I, you know, I've seen it. You know, I've seen raised kids. I've seen little kids in action. You do not have to teach them how to manipulate situations. It's like they already know it. Who taught you that? Did your mother teach you that? And she says, did your father teach you that? No. They already knew it. It's something inside, something internal. It's called what? Sin. It's already there. So these guys, these, you know, these uh, religious, very religious Jews, you know, if they made an oath which contained uh, the name of God, if they used the name of God in it or a form of the name of God, it was absolutely binding. They would definitely, definitely do whatever they could to keep that oath. However, if not, if it didn't contain, they could still make oaths. If it didn't contain all that, maybe not. Depends on what the situation was, whether they'd want to get out of it or not. That's why you see here they would swear by heaven, or they'd swear by the earth, or swear by the footstool. Because if they did that and they didn't include the name of God, they could pretty much kind of see if they wanted to get out of it, they could. They would just walk away from it. Oh, but I didn't swear by the name of God, so I can, I can just go off and do it. And Jesus says, wait a minute here, you know, this is, what kind of a game are you playing here? And they literally had, you know, uh, you know, chapters about this, written about this. Not in the Bible, but stuff they wrote about later that, that you know, contained, you know, the rules and how to do these things and how to get out of your promises. I like the one, you know, they're going to swear by your head. You know, you can't make even one hair white or black. It's ridiculous. Swear by, I swear by my own head. I mean, that's how, you know, we can go off and get to be ridiculous. Okay, swearing by heaven, you can kind of get the connection. But I swear by my own head. What? If, if you said that to somebody, they could look at you like, uh, okay, we got, let me just make a phone call. We'll, we'll get somebody here to take care of you. They couldn't get away from God, though. He says, listen, God, isn't God involved in, in, in all those things? Heaven, earth, Jerusalem, even your own head? You can't get away from him, though they tried. He says, don't make these foolish oaths. But look at verse 37, and this is really where it, where it all comes together here. He says, simply, let your yes be yes, and your no, no. Simply, our word should be enough. We shouldn't have to, you know, swear. If we have to swear, does that mean that if we don't swear, our word is no good? Probably. But, you know, if your word is no good if you swear, your word's probably no good if you don't swear. If your word is no good if you don't swear, your word is probably no good if you do swear. Your word is either good or it isn't any good. For example, you know, we don't need to add this to the end of, of what we say, cross my heart and hope to die. How many of you 
have heard that before, probably everybody. Cross my heart and hope to die. Who knows where that came from? It's like, it's like swearing at the end of something that you said. You don't need to add that. If, if our words mean what we say. Say what we mean and mean what we say. One person said this, the person's character should make an oath completely unnecessary. Why would you have to swear about it? If, you know, if you're going to do and, and your words are true, you, you shouldn't need to. And again, if you're not sure about it, then don't say anything. Don't say anything. James, the half-brother of Jesus, he picked up on this very same idea, and he says, Above all, my brothers, do not swear, not by heaven or earth or by anything else. Let your yes be yes and your no, no. I wonder sometimes about these things when he, he kind of grew up living with Jesus, right? And he kind of lived with this guy, and, and, and he, he, he saw that when Jesus said something, he meant it. Jesus didn't make any false promises. Jesus didn't say kind of manipulative um, promises or oaths. Not yes, but we kind of in our minds, sometimes we say yes, but we put the but at the end of it. Or we say no, but, and we, we really don't mean what we're going to say. If we're going to say yes, let it be yes. If we're going to say no, let it be no. He says, or you will be condemned, James said. Someone else said this, that Jesus' followers ought to be so well known for their honesty and truthfulness that they would not need to make oaths. And Jesus spoke about oaths in order to point out that they were not the main problem. Integrity was. And oaths are no substitute for personal integrity. Integrity is the issue. That's what Jesus is getting down here to. Integrity. Do we, do we, are we people of integrity? Again, we're, we're sinners and, you know, we're, we're in these bodies and we're, you know, involved and we, so much goes on. I understand that. I'm, you know, I've been around a few, a few weeks. But he says, Jesus says here, anything from this or beyond this comes from the evil one. Anything beyond just speaking the truth comes from the evil one, he says. And, and why did he say that? He said that because... Satan is what? The father of lies. In John chapter 8, Jesus says that, that he, there's no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. So when we're telling things that aren't true and we're, when we're trying to manipulate situations and, and, and we're, we're just being like this evil one. But Jesus came, he says he was the way, the truth, and the life. So, you remember that old saying, our word is our bond? And we don't use it that much anymore, but that's basically what he's talking about. Our word, our bond. That what I say is what I mean. And what I mean is what I say. You might be thinking, well, what about oaths? Should we still make oaths in any situation like in court or in a marriage ceremony? I think that at times it's necessary, and even in the New Testament there are uh, a few instances and circumstances where they were called to make a, 
a very solemn oath. And I think, you know, in court, and I think in a marriage ceremony, because there's some who say, I'm not going to make an oath anywhere, but there are in some places where it is very fitting and it's right. And it adds uh, solemnity or seriousness. But even more important than that, that is the fact that, that we make these oaths and we should keep them. Of course, that goes back in the marriage ceremony to the previous discussion about marriage. One last thought, I promise. And this is where I said earlier that God is the God of truth. And that his word is always true. We can always trust him. He is utterly faithful. God. We've always got to end up there. We've always got to begin there. We've always got to come back to this idea of God himself. Because if, if, if we end up with ourselves, we're hurting. We're lost. We've got no hope. But if we end up with him and in him and through him and with him, with God all things are possible. It's impossible, it says in the word of God, for him to lie. In Joshua it says, not one of all the the Lord's good promises to the house of Israel failed. Every one was fulfilled. Psalm 119 says, your promises have been thoroughly tested. And your servant loves them. Psalm 145, the Lord is faithful to all his promises. And 2 Corinthians 1, no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. They are yes in Christ. Someone said this, that no promise verbal or written is of any value except in relation to the integrity of the one who makes the promise. So Some recall a time when a man's word was his bond. If we make promises, we ought to keep them. God does. God does. So I'm thinking about that. I'm going, you know what? God keeps his promises, and then there's me. And then there's us. But the word of God says that God has given to us his spirit. Is that true? He says that he is the spirit of truth. You read about it in the Gospel of John. He's the spirit of truth and that he's been given to us. and He lives within us. And so we have the spirit of truth living within us to enable us to be people of integrity, people of truth. Again, it gets back to him in our lives by his spirit in us. God, I pray you touch each one here this morning. You know, you know each one of our hearts, the needs of each one of our hearts, Lord. And I pray you would reach into each one of our hearts, Lord. By your spirit, with your truth, making us people of truth. Father, we pray for those, the healing of those wounds that are some very, very deep. Father, we look to you, the author and the finisher of our salvation, of our faith. Give us your strength, Lord. I pray for any here this morning that that are walking around without knowing who you are, that this morning they would simply say, Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, I need help today 
Jesus, I open my heart to you for hope, for the help that only you can give. Father, hear our prayers this morning. Thank you again that you are the God of heaven, the God of earth. All things came from you. All things go to you. And that we can worship you freely in this country. But Lord, I pray that you'd empower us by your spirit to be the people, the men and the women and the children that you've called us to be in this world. We can't do it without 